USDC is currently 95 cents as we see prices slightly recovering from yesterday's lows. In today's show, I'll be giving you all an update on the USDC situation, letting you guys know what my thoughts are in terms of its chances of a full repeg heading into next week, which is extremely critical given the fact that redemptions for US dollars can officially start tomorrow once banks open on Monday. I'm also going to run through the overall market update, what is happening with Silicon Valley Bank, what is happening with uh, the CPI data next week. A lot of key uh, macroeconomic data is coming out, as well as my general thoughts on the market, Operation Choke Point, and a lot more. You guys know how the Sunday streams work by now. Usually they are kind of like a chill hangout sesh where we you know discuss altcoins research stuff today it's going to be a little bit different um it's probably going to be more news focused a bit a little less degen i'm going to share some trade setups with you guys and at the end i will have a q a session where we talk alts and kind of my plans and thoughts um for certain trades and and all that kind of stuff but uh, a little less research focused just given the fact we had so much news that has happened over the past few days and, and i think it's important um that we're on the right page we're aligned heading into next week because yeah it's going to be another really really big week um, because we not only have macro data, but we also have the Silicon Valley Bank situation, which is probably going to play out um, tomorrow and the day after, and that's going to cause stock market volatility, etc. So smash the like button um, for the Sunday streams. I've really, really been enjoying doing them. They are a lot of fun. Welcome to everyone. I see um, only do your own research in the house. Um, I see I for Matt as well. We've got a bunch of people. Luke Sniper's always in the house. Um, Danny says, stop the FUD. Well, it's not necessarily FUD. It is pretty like genuinely a scary time in the markets. Um, lots of uncertainty. Hopefully in today's show, we can go through the uncertainty and evaluate, you know, what risks potentially are there. Um, yeah, I see everyone is with us. So welcome, welcome Francis as well. Someone said there's a huge crash coming tomorrow. We'll go through the charts and have a look at what the market maybe is, is anticipating for tomorrow. Chaos here as usual. Phillips here. Everyone's here. Um, in the house. What's up, everyone? Uh, welcome everyone in the US uh, for your early morning, in Europe for your afternoons, and also in Australia for your late night slash what is about to be early morning as well. We also have a time zone change um, in the US, I think, tomorrow. So we'll be shifting uh, the shows back relative to Europe and Australia. If you're in the US, you don't have to worry. It'll be, it'll be the exact same time. So let's just go through what happened um, with USDC. Today's show is not going to go through like the exact um, order of events with USDC, because I'm sure you guys have heard it uh, all, all over the past few days, all over your Twitter feed, all over your YouTube feeds. You probably don't need me to explain um, exactly what happened again and again and again. If you do want information on that, of course, Rand did a live stream yesterday. I also did a live stream which covered all the information live, but I will give you the TLDR, and then we're going to get into the recent updates, because today we did have some big updates on the situation, which resulted in a slight price recovery in terms of USDC. So, Essentially, what happened was USDC lost its peg after Circle, the issuer of USDC, came out and announced that one of its six banking partners was actually Silicon Valley Bank, a bank that essentially has gone bust in the US um, on Friday. So they announced that 25% of the USDC reserves that are held um, in a cash position where a portion of that was being managed by Silicon Valley Bank, as well as a multitude um, of other banks. And we actually got information after their initial tweet, which revealed the total exposure um, to Silicon Valley Bank via how much USDC they held at around 8%, which was more than the initial expectation of around 4 to 5%. So then the market started to really panic as they realized, well, 8%, uh, of the total cash reserves here could essentially be locked and users won't be able to get access to those funds via redemption. So the market did panic and that caused 
uh, you know, a pretty big short event on USDC. There's lots of short side uh, pressure. We did see like funding rates go up to like 448% APR, which is absolutely crazy. Open interest skyrocketed. Then we saw funding rates flip long. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people were starting to long USDC to like, uh, I guess, make sort of like an arbitrage play on the redemptions tomorrow. So basically crazy price action happened uh, around uh, USDC over the last couple um of days and especially over the last 24 hours and if we go into the hourly chart you'll see this exhibited even more clearly we see usdc actually on bybit got all the way down to 84 cents which is crazy that one of the most institutionally held stable coins one of the quote-unquote safer stable coins in crypto could even think of going anywhere close to 80 cents it's absolutely um you know insane and then we also saw you know a massive recovery to the upside and people that that managed to long in this area did very very well i managed to long around 90 cents 87 to 90 cents which was pretty good i actually did close out my positions um i took a frax long because frax was very affected so fxs frax share because of the die um part collateralization on their stable coin that took a hit so that was one long i took then i also took a small die long um because die was actually trading under usdc's price for a period of time even though it wasn't fully backed by usdc and also usdc as well not crazy size as i said in yesterday's show uh you know you don't want to go in with crazy size here it's still very risky we don't know what's going to happen there could be like short-term volatility which there was so pretty easy to get wrecked using high leverage on crazy trades and like I guess limited upside considering at you know if you say you're long at 93 um, cents there's only like seven to ten percent upside so it's like not really um, worth it for for most people but we have seen a recovery so a lot of people are now asking well is this safe now is this going to get back to peg uh, tomorrow once redemptions open and you're able to actually utilize the uh, swapping function for you to swap USDC into US dollars. So that's really the question on everyone's lips. I want to go over the official statement uh, from the CEO, Jeremy Allaire, and they did give an update, which I think will go a long way as to quelling some of the fears surrounding USDC, as well as giving you guys some more clarity over where we currently sit. So it's a long article, but basically he did a TLDR for us on Twitter. He said, while USDC can be used 24 7 365 on chain issuance and redemption is constrained by the working hours of the u.s banking system as you guys know you can't actually um redeem usdc for us dollars on a weekend because it's not uh, a fully crypto operated decentralized stablecoin protocol it is essentially like a fiat backed which mean um protocol which means they have cash reserves in actual banks as well as tr u.s treasuries which you know have to be held by uh custodians that obviously only operate monday to friday which doesn't allow them to offer redemptions on a weekend so that's i guess played into the fud quite a lot considering people weren't actually able to like redeem straight away usdc liquidity operations will resume as normal when banks open on monday morning in the united states as a practical manner our teams are well prepared to handle significant volume built on the strong liquidity and reserve assets discussed below as a regulated payment token usdc will remain redeemable one for one with the us dollar important distinction to make there so what just happened the silicon valley bank a venerable and trusted partner to the us innovation economy has just suffered a classic bank run much like those we saw during the financial crisis of 2008 svb suffered significant losses which led to a situation where they were forced to sell long duration assets to meet redemption demand the settlement period on those assets caused a short-term liquidity crunch svb's fate is being decided this weekend by the fdic 
and it's our hope that they will find a solution that protects customers' assets 100%. So what's the actual impact on USDC and the USDC reserve? Well, USDC is 100% collateralized with a combination of cash and US treasuries. So USDC is collateralized with $32.4 billion, around 77% worth of US treasury bills with a three-month or uh, two to three-month uh, maturation period. And 23%, which is around 9.7 bill, is essentially held in cash at a variety of institutions. Six banking partners, one of which includes Silicon Valley Bank, which is obviously the reason for that initial, um, that initial, like I guess, panic and initial sell-off on USDC, and what is still um, seeing USDC underpeg because of the exposure to SVB until we get more clarity on how those assets are being um, distributed by the FDIC. These reserves are held in custody. Uh, by BNY Mellon and active liquidity and asset management is managed by BlackRock. This is pretty important to note that BlackRock is like, as well as Coinbase, a major backer of Circle because you essentially now have like very big partners willing or at least able um, to essentially bail out uh, Circle in, in the event that maybe they're not able to reclaim all the funds that were locked in SVB. That is an important point to make. Um, that kind of maybe gives a little more assurance on the USDC side, at least in my opinion. The remaining 23% in cash. Last week, they actually reduced bank risk and deposited 5.4 with BNY Mellon. 3.3 billion of USDC's cash reserve remain with SVB. As of Thursday, we had initiated transfers of these funds to other banking partners. Though these transfers had not yet been settled at the close of business on Friday, we remain confident in the FDIC's management of the SVB situation and stand ready to receive these funds. One bill of the USDC reserves is held with the customer's bank as the industry looks to expand their transaction settlement options. This was actually a very important um, part of the... Uh, circle announcement where they said USDC has zero exposure to Silvergate. We had transferred out what were limited reserves to support transaction settlement prior to the bank's closure. That's quite important because uh, when the USDC fears were originally doing the rounds on Twitter, one photograph that was being screenshotted was a list of USDC's banking partners of which Silvergate was, was one of the named banking partners. And that got a lot of people panicking, like maybe it's not only Silicon Valley Bank, maybe it's also Silvergate that they've actually got funds locked in. So what do we expect? This is the important part um, of, of this thread here and of this USDC announcement. What do we expect from SVB and the FDIC? We have reason to believe under applicable policy, transfers initiated prior to a bank entering receivership would have otherwise been processed normally. In other words, the FDIC should allow transactions to settle in the ordinary course through the end of a bank's standard day daily processing cycle. We understand that they are currently determining the status of transactions initiated prior to the applicable receivership cutoff times. So it is also possible that SVB may not return 100% and that the return may take some time as the FDIC issues IOUs, which are receivership certificates and advanced dividends, which actually did, which actually did say that they would be starting to offer on Monday to deposit holders. In such case, Circle, as required by law under stored value money transmission regulation, will stand behind USDC and cover any shortfall using corporate resources. Once again, very important line here that that they will actually cover any shortfall using corporate resources. So what they're saying is if um, for some reason, they're not able to recoup the funds from Silicon Valley Bank in time. What they will do is they will use corporate resources from their backers, likely, like let's say Coinbase resources Circle has. Um, maybe that's being funded by BlackRock. We don't know where the funds are coming from, but they do have big partners that could potentially help 
bail them out in in the case that um, Silicon Valley Bank isn't actually able to uh, process via the FDIC the amount necessary in time. So the very important thing to note when it comes to Circle is redemptions are happening tomorrow. So it's a Monday, which means it is now like a bank working weekday. That means you are now going to be able to take one USDC and transfer that for a US dollar. So once the redemptions start to happen, there will actually be an arbitrage. And this arbitrage will be buying USDC and redeeming it um, for USD on like with, with an official banking partner. And I guess the theory is, if the redemptions happen in a timely manner, if the redemptions happen uh, without having some massive bank run or uh, causing a liquidity shortfall where they're not able to like sell enough treasuries in time, if none of that happens, then there will be an opportunity for people that buy USDC and redeem it. And this will essentially see USDC go back to peg. Because if there is an opportunity to play on that discrepancy, big corporate players especially are going to take that opportunity and then you'll probably see USDC go back to peg um, if redemptions are okay. The reason the market might not be pricing that fully in right now and the reason why it's 95 cents is because there still is that risk that you see some like crazy bank run um, on Monday or there's some issues with them being able to like uh, get enough liquidity in time and then kind of things come to a head. In that case then you're going to see further downside on USDC. But that's not the probable scenario, in my opinion. The probable scenario for me is that USDC is going to be okay. And that's what I said from the beginning of my show yesterday, that I think the market is overreacting to some doomsday scenario. And I don't think the DPEG is going to be um, necessarily uncapped. There is a cap because eventually once redemptions open, then there's too much uh, of an incentive for you to buy USDC because you know you can redeem it, right? So... We do still have to keep our eye on Monday, so tomorrow. Like It's a very key day for the, the redemptions, not only that, but the stock market. We're going to get into that in a couple of minutes. But in terms of USDC and the question, is it safe? Obviously, I wouldn't be trading USDC now, so I wouldn't be holding it in my portfolio. I'm holding Tether. You guys know I got actually out of all my USDC exposure. So you guys know I, I'm not holding that in my portfolio. But in terms of like, is it safe? Is the collapse going to keep on going and getting progressively worse next week? I personally don't think so. It can happen. if there's, As I said, there is a scenario where um, there is a bank run. They can't get liquidity in time, but it's not the likely scenario. They have reserves of 33 bill. They also said they would be using corporate funds to cover any shortfall if there is a shortfall. So I'm not panicking and going crazy. With that said, I don't hold USDC because... I just don't want to risk it. In crypto, whenever there's smoke, there's often fire and it's oftentimes just best to um, you know, avoid situations completely instead of trying to run the risk of playing some like 5% uh, redemption back to the upside. It's probably not worth it. I guess the longs from 87, 90 cents were worth it. Like Better risk reward, obviously, the lower the price is. As the price gets higher, closer to peg, the allure of longing that token isn't as strong. Now, you may be able to look at some other alts still, like old coins that were unreasonably sold off and potentially could make it back up to their previous levels if USDC regains peg. What I prefer to do um, and what a strategy I've seen going on Twitter is I think uh, Kyle, 0xKyle, uh, a Twitter uh, creator, said that he's his preferred strategy that I actually agree with is actually instead of longing USDC here and longing die here and longing... Um, 
like some of the alts that got affected, like for example, Fracture here. Why don't you short the tokens that run at, that ran unreasonably in relation to USDC's DPEG? So there are tokens like in the D um, centralized space that just went nuts as like a counter, uh, like like a counter trade versus USDC. So if you can identify those tokens, then shorting them can be a way to get exposure to a repeg without having to pay crazy funding rates because the funding rates are still crazy and also like uh, take on unnecessary risk for like a few percent gain. So something you can look at, not like a trade that's like totally appealing to me, but still like an interesting option for like the DGENs out there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I think about USDC. Interestingly, you had different parties across the industry treating the DPEG very differently. You saw Vitalik actually exchange like $750,000 worth of ETH or more actually um, for USDC and, and DAI. We also saw, um, who else? We saw Justin Sun exchange USDC for DAI because at one point DAI was actually cheaper than USDC, even though it didn't have the same um, makeup in terms of how it's collateralized. So that was like a decent, I guess, uh, trade at the time, like a one a like-for-like trade. Uh, Cyber Ventures actually exited the USDC. So you saw a lot of projects and big players decide to de-risk a little bit. Uh, we saw Ledger Prime do the same thing. They went to USDP. We saw Genesis actually try and, you know, offload some of their USDC to Coinbase Block Tower as well. Obviously, that means they're probably going to trade into another stable like uh, USDT or something else. Jump Trading tried to redeem their USDC to Circle. So you saw different parties um, approaching this very differently. It's very interesting that Vitalik, of all people, is actually betting on the uh, USDC, like, restoring peg. Um, I guess for him, 500 ETH is, like, no size, considering... How much ETH does he hold? Is it, like, 100? No, it's, like, a million. He holds a million ETH, I th- I'm pretty sure. Like, around a million ETH in his wallets. Um, so, like, 500 ETH out of a million is not much, but I guess he wanted to play the the, the game a little bit here on a, on a repeg. So... That is the quick USDC update, but of course, there's so much more to actually discuss about Silicon Valley um, and what's going to happen at the start of next week. With that, that's going to be a big driver of stocks. Stocks, as we know, drive crypto. That's going to cause a lot of volatility for Bitcoin, so I want to go over my Bitcoin charts, tell you guys what I'm seeing there. And also, there's a lot to happen in the operation cho- on the Operation Choke Point front, a lot playing out behind the scenes there. I did a video on that earlier today, if you're interested in watching that. So yeah, there's still lots and lots and lots to talk about um, in today's show. And of course, I'll, I'll continue to add to the USDC argument a little bit. Look at the bubbles. Yeah, it's crazy. This is essentially the um, total mapped results of banks going down or bank collapses in the US. So we can see like you had Colonial Bank 25 bill, um, IndyMac 32 bill, like some very like small banks like AM Trust, Franklin Bank. But then you see some like massive banks, like obviously Washington Mutual, which went down in the uh, financial crisis. And now Silicon Valley is right up there next to Washington Mutual, which is pretty crazy that this is like the second biggest bank collapse in US history that's happened like right in front of us um, over the last week. And it's got a lot of investors scared. I know it had Australian um, investors very scared on on Friday. It had US investors very scared. Pre-markets actually down in the US. Uh, and you've also got the crypto investors pretty scared as a result. So I want to dig into what this actually could mean and what the potential um, scenario could be for this to play out over the next few days heading into next week. All right, let's get into it. Someone said move it to Tether before the collapse. Yeah, I mean, you know what's really funny? Tether 
has been the coin that's been fudded and fudded and fudded for years. Every single, almost feels like every couple months, there's new tether fud um, that comes back into the market, right? Even like a, three weeks ago, there was more tether fud. And it's funny that after all that tether fud, the first major stable to break wasn't tether, it was USDC. And tether, amongst all of it, not only stayed strong, but was the asset that most people were trading into. You did see some people trade into Bitcoin, and that's part of the reason why, like, if we go into the lower time frames here, we actually got a Bitcoin bounce because a lot of people were like, look, I don't want to go into another stable. Um, let me just go into Bitcoin. I'll just absorb some market risk. I'll just go into Bitcoin ETH. That's why we saw a Bitcoin bounce. But the majority of liquidity actually um, went into other stables like USDP, but most notably Tether, which is pretty insane because, I mean, it's just ironic that Tether's the coin that gets fudded, but USDC is the coin that ends up going down. And as uh, Banta says in the comments, make sure you smash the like button for this show. We've got a lot to discuss. I think next week is, oh, I don't know. We say this every week. Oh, we say this every single week, but I, I, like, I seriously mean it. Next week is so important um, for crypto and stocks. It's like one of the most important weeks of the last month because of the CPI data that we're getting more economic data that we're getting. It's going to give us much more of an insight into how uh, FOMC could potentially play out in terms of the probabilities there. And more importantly, we're going to see tomorrow how the USDC redemptions take place. And then we're also going to see what happens with the FDIC's handling of the funds of Silicon Valley Bank. And that will dictate how the market responds to other banking um, stocks. And we know how a large of a percentage banking stock comprise of the Dow Jones. Um, of course, like the Nasdaq's more like tech stock based, but in terms of like the overall stock market, some of the biggest stocks in the US are banks. And, you know, if they go down uh, or, or if they like go down in terms of their price, their market value due to a little bit of panic, then y- y- you see a massive overall decline in the aggregate stock market, which affects crypto, right? So it's going to be a massive week for that reason. So let's kind of frame what we have to look forward to or not look forward to uh, this week. Someone said, I'm going into euros until Monday. I mean, if you want to trade those currency games, you can trade those currency games. Personally, I'm not really that big on it. Um, I'm not really like a, I don't really like jump in and out of assets. I'm US dollars and and Australian dollars usually at most times. Plus, you know, Bitcoin, I'm not really like too into going, um, going in and out of of currencies. But if you're going into euros in terms of your uh, like stable balance and you're in Europe, then I think that that does make some sense. Someone said Fed pivot incoming. Well, we, we, we do have the CME probabilities. This is something I want to touch on a bit later, but it doesn't seem like the next rate hike is going to be that 25 BPS. I know this is swinging based on um, new economic data that comes out, but all kind of signs are pointing to uh, a 50 BPS hike. And I mean, a pivot is possible, especially if the job data continues to deteriorate. But I don't think our sole reason for like aping into crypto should be, oh, the Fed's going to pivot, the Fed's going to pivot, considering they have a job to do still. And higher for longer is not a meme. It's like, it looks like that's what's playing out. And of course, we'll get into the macro stuff a bit later. I want to start with Silicon Valley Bank. But yeah, there's, I, I don't necessarily think a pivot is like my number one thesis for investing in crypto now. I think we need much more clarity over the sustained pace of rate hikes, as well as how that starts to impact the market. There's a possibility that the Fed has overacted and we're seeing on a lagging basis the effects on the market. And like in six months time, that's where the real damage is done from the last rate hikes because a lot of this data is um, backwards looking. It's lagging. So you don't actually see the full effect in the economy for many, many, many months. So 
it, it's not so comfortable for investors to sit here and say, oh, you know, it's actually okay. GDP growth is good. A uh, little bit of an unemployment increase, but it's okay. Inflation coming down, like all looks good. Let's let, let's pivot, right? No, not necessarily because, you know, three, four months, things can start to look a lot worse. And then they can force a pivot, but the damage done, you're already in a recession, right? So that's kind of the danger of the situation they're in. Really, the definition of being between like a rock and a hard place is playing out if, if you are the Fed, if you're Jerome Powell. Um, you're probably having sleepless nights because they aren't easy decisions, but they were caused by excess money printing. So what caused the crypto market to rally in the first place, what caused all those altcoins to 50, 100x is the exact same reason why most of those altcoins are down now 90% and most of, and the share market's coming back down again. When's the next Fed meeting results? Uh, Marco, the next Fed meeting results, I think it's on the 20, is it the 22nd um, of March? So that's the FOMC meeting. And then you've got CPI on Tuesday. I think CPI on Tuesday is arguably more important because like, we're going to know what the Fed does um, the week after after the CPI data. That's like your last piece of like major data after we had jobs last week. You've also got like PPE and that stuff as well. But like CPI is very, very important. You're putting your money into beer. Yeah, that's a great investment. That'll, that'll 10x, bro. So yeah, Silicon Valley Bank. That's the first thing I want to touch on. Um, the, the banks are going to be a major driver of stock market action, at least early in the week. They're the cause of a lot of fear right now. They're the reason why we see futures ticking down on the NASDAQ, futures ticking down on the S&P. Essentially, I don't want to like make this a whole SVB video, but I do want to give you a quick update on like why they actually collapsed and what it means for the economy because I think it's important context. So the Wall Street Journal did a really good article to summarize this. Um, they said, SVB Financial bought tens of billions of dollars of seemingly safe assets, primarily longer-term U.S. Treasury yields and government-backed mortgage securities. Their portfolio rose from 27 bill to 128 by the end of 2021. Why is that a problem? These securities are at virtually no risk of defaulting, but they pay fixed interest rates for many years. That isn't necessarily a problem unless the bank suddenly needs to sell the securities. This is an important line for later um, because eventually a bank run happened and they did have to sell the securities. So that's the issue. So it's not a problem unless they have to sell the securities. Because market interest rates have moved so much higher, now this is as a result of the Fed, and you can make the argument that a lot of the pressure on the banking system right now is because the Fed maybe has overacted. And these are the first signs we're seeing of um, the real effects of interest rates rising. We knew raising interest rates was going to break shit. The banks, I think, are some of the first things that are starting to break here. Um, so that's that's what I meant before by lagging. Like you can raise rates for six months, and then then you could start to see shit. We're actually like breaking the banks. We didn't even realize it until there was a bank run, and then it creates issues. So you see the problem with higher for longer stuff like this starts to happen because market interest rates move so much higher. But it's also, it's a really tough decision, by the way, because you have to quell inflation. Otherwise, you're going to just significantly continue to increase the wealth divide, and you're going to have very um, unhappy voters. And we all know how politics works they want votes and when people can't pay for their groceries anymore or their fuel they're not going to vote you in again so you need to get inflation under control right it's really like that simple in many ways so because market interest rates move so that much higher securities are suddenly worth less on the open market than they are valued on the bank's books as a result they could only be sold at a loss Thank you for saying I've got the best alpha on banter. I mean, that's a big call because there's some good alpha on banter, but I try my best. SVB's unrealized losses on its security portfolio at the end of 2022, or the gap between the cost of the investments and their fair value, jumped to more than $17 billion. 
What else went wrong? At the same time, SVB's deposit inflows turned to outflows as its clients burned cash and stopped getting new funds from public offerings or fundraisings. Attracting new deposits also became far more expensive, with the rates demanded by savers increasing along with the Fed hikes. Deposits fell from nearly $200 billion at the end of March to $173 billion at the end of 2022. So how did this all come to a head? How did the actual issue here be created from um, the, 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 the setup that we saw brewing for quite some time? The market didn't see it, but in hindsight, it was happening in the background. On when got the best hair on banter? Um, I don't know. I, I, think I, I think I need a haircut, but thank you. Um, too many compliments. I got to turn off the comments. Too many compliments. You're distracting me. You're making me blush on stream. Fuck. All right. On Wednesday, SVB said it had sold a large chunk. And it's very serious stuff as well. There's no, we can't be laughing or anything. It's very, very serious. This banking collapse. Um, it's very serious. So on Wednesday, SVB said it had sold a large chunk of, se- and also stop putting those comments up, Josh. You're going to just keep distracting me. Um, sold a large chunk of securities worth $21 billion at the time of sale at a loss of about $1.8 bill after tax. The bank's aim was to help it reset um, its interest earnings at today's higher yields and provide it with the balance sheet flexibility to meet potential outflows and still fund new lending. It also set up to raise about $2.25 billion in capital. Why didn't it work? Now, this is really very important. They said uh, that they wanted to raise $2.25 billion capital. Um, and they also wanted to reset their earnings at higher yields and provide them with balance sheet flexibility. The market did not like this. The fact they had to raise capital was a red flag that something was happening in the background and the market responded very, very negatively, which resulted the stock to crater in price. Now, what happens when your stock starts to significantly drop in price? That causes panic and holders of assets um, in the bank, they start to worry. Well, if the stock's dropping significantly and they're coming out and saying they need to raise capital, maybe there's something bad happening internally. So what happened was customers, as a response, panicked and started to withdraw and withdraw and withdraw funds. So they actually tried to withdraw $42 billion of deposits, which was a quarter, 25% of the bank's total assets. It couldn't pay it out. Because essentially how banks work is they don't keep all the assets liquid at one time. And due to the makeup, the constitution of its assets, as I previously highlighted, it wasn't able to liquidate those assets in time to be able to pay out the people that were trying to withdraw their funds. Classic bank run, 2008 style bank run, um, but happening in 2023, which is the scariest thing. Like actually pretty scary. Second biggest banking collapse in history. This isn't... This is what pisses me off when, you know, I have normie friends that aren't in crypto and they like text me, right? Um, and they say, oh, crypto is going down. Oh my God. Like, are you okay? Like all this shit. Um, and you also hear like the media attacking crypto and like getting like really anti-crypto. Oh, Bitcoin dropped 20% this month. Ethereum dropped 10% this month. Are we forgetting here the current state of the macro economy? Like, are we forgetting here that this, we're having the second biggest banking collapse in US history taking place right now. And we're seeing stocks, stock values plummet, especially the bank values plummet. And we're seeing like increasingly high, um, increased rate hikes, rising interest rates, bad um, job data starting to now creep into the economy. And you're telling me like Bitcoin's dropping? Obviously, it's going to drop. There are many headwinds at play here that aren't just crypto related. So like, if you're a crypto investor, 
you shouldn't even you shouldn't sit back and be like really 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 worried about crypto fundamentals because of things like this it's more an overall um market cause and effect relationship which affects equity values and as an extension of that affects crypto values but it's not crypto specific and it's why like i don't i'm not panicking oh my god crypto is like dead because of this now operation choke point like i did a video on yesterday that's all early today in, if you're in a, uh, Australia. That is a totally different discussion and that can affect crypto. And we will go over that uh, uh, later in today's show, like what's happening with that stuff. That, I mean, Operation Chokepoint, which is essentially like the um, blocking of on and off ramps to crypto-specific liquidity is like a huge concern. That is crypto-specific. But the general market feel at the moment is like, oh, crypto is crashing. Oh my God, what's happening? Um, well, just, I mean, look what's happening around you. You've got some of the biggest banks in the US now starting to experience issues and you're wondering why Bitcoin's down 10%. Obviously, it's down 10% if you have market conditions like this. So basically, Silicon Valley Bank had $42 billion of deposits um, attempted to be withdrew, 25%, and they didn't carry uh, enough deposits on hand to be able to pay out those customers. So essentially what's happening now is that the FDIC is taking control. In a statement on Friday, they said that customers will have full access to their insured deposits no later than Monday morning. The FDIC said it hadn't yet determined the current amount of uninsured deposits. So if you are obviously insured, then you can get your deposits quicker. Uninsured deposits need to go through a longer process. It said uninsured depositors will get an advanced dividend within the next week. So an advanced dividend is like, yeah, an advanced amount percentage that's paid out early um, before you get the rest of the amount. So you get something back. For the remaining amounts of the uninsured funds, those depositors will get something called a receivership certificate. As the FDIC sells off the assets of SVB, they may get future dividend payments. So keep your eye on the FDIC proceedings here. And keep your eye on the total amount that they are able to reclaim for the uninsured uh, depositors, because that will essentially dictate um, the amount in total, the aggregate amount that is paid out versus um, deposits versus like withdrawals, right? So that's very important. And also for Circle for USDC, that's also very important because there's for some reason some misconception here when people do their calculations that all $3.3 billion of the Silicon Valley bank money is, is lost in Silicon Valley, um, Silicon Valley bank. That's not true. They very well may get all of that 3.3 billion back. They might not, they might get some, they might get 2 billion back, but you can't instantly um, price in an 8% hole when there's likely going to be little hole, if any, notwithstanding the potential that one of their big backers actually covers the hole themselves, which they said in their statement from Circle, you can see here that they would. They said this in the last sentence. They'll cover any shortfall using corporate resources. That's why I'm not worrying about the Circle situation much. Um, I'm still not in USDC because uh, I'm worried enough to just step away a little bit and just observe this situation, but I'm not worried enough to be like panicking or going crazy because I do believe the vast probability is that they will actually be able to um, weather the storm here and they'll get back to peg. Shelby said he smashed a like. Yeah, smash a like if you are if you haven't smashed a like. And also subscribe. 
if you're not already subscribed. Um, I've forgotten the exact stat. I think like 20 or 30% of our viewers aren't subbed, depending on the video. Some it's much higher, some it's 50% haven't subbed. So if you haven't subbed, make sure you do sub and, and turn on the notification bell. We, we stream every single day and to give you guys like updates on the market. The Kabisi letter said, regulators are racing to sell Silicon Valley Bank their assets to free as much capital as possible before Monday. Regulators know this weekend's their only chance to save the system. Once market opens, a plan must be in place or the bank run will spread. After Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank, it's widely believed that the First Republic Bank may be the third bank to fail the contagion spreading. Like SVB, First Republic showed a large gap between fair market value and balance sheet value of its assets. Customers line up to take their money out. This is the problem, and this is why it is a bit worrying. It's why I'm a little bit on edge heading into next week, because when you have an event like Silicon Valley Bank, second biggest in history, collapsing, having a major bank run, customers in other small banks that have similarities to Silicon Valley Bank, like the fair market value, balance sheet ratios, um, certain like market cap comparisons um, and demographic comparisons. If, if you're in one of those banks and you see what happened with SVB, you might be tempted to take your money out of that other bank as well because you're like, well, there's too many similarities here. Let me play it safe. I don't want to be like a Silicon Valley Bank person and have my money stuck. I don't want my money stuck. Let's just withdraw. But the problem is once everyone starts thinking that's the case, then you get bank runs. And this is like overall the worst part. And it's also the reason why USDC collapsed. It's because consumer sentiment is often a bigger driver um, than the underlying fundamentals. Because they can have all the assets, but their ability to shore up liquidity quickly might not be there. Like some assets might not um, be easily able to make liquid in a short amount of time. And that's when you see bank runs happen. So look, I don't know if it's a doomsday scenario that some people are preaching on Twitter, but there's still a little bit of concern here that there could be knock-on effects to other banks. First Republic Bank's one of them. Let's just keep our eye out here. And essentially, all of this is being triggered by rising interest rates. Now, these banks weren't prepped for rising rates. That's their fault, that they weren't prepped for that scenario, right? Or they weren't adaptive and fluid when they started to see rates increasing. Maybe they were a little bit naive and thought that rates wouldn't increase like they have. But things could get worse. We could see 600 bips, like a 6% interest rate um, by summer. Like that's, I think, a 20% probability right now. So banks have to be prepared that if that happens, um, they need to be adequately weighted so as to not be too exposed to um, material changes on, on their balance sheet due to rising interest rates, or at least material changes that affect their ability to cover um, withdrawals, right? So I do think it's very, um, yeah, I, I do think it's a very pertinent time uh, with interest rates rising for banks to make sure they're, their, their balance sheets are short up because we don't want to see more bank runs. And that's like a genuine headwind, but it's all right. It's all stemming from raising interest rates. Maybe the Fed raised too aggressively and now they're breaking shit. Like raise rates until they break is kind of like what the pattern's been. And it looks like they're going to continue to raise. There'll be a few more raises. That's what the market's pricing in. Look at the next uh, probability here, 68% versus 31. How does that affect banks? I mean, we know how it affects crypto. I mean, we know how it affects companies. When companies can't borrow as much, they can't grow as fast. 
Um, the economy doesn't grow as quickly. The debt they have to pay down is at a higher rate. Many, many, many effects on the market. Affects risk assets. Risk assets don't do too well. Um, they're not as attractive versus bonds. So why risk assets don't perform. That's why crypto doesn't perform. It's not as attractive in a high interest rate environment. Bitcoin isn't really an inflation hedge today. It is mostly a low... I mean, it mostly just thrives in low interest environments, really. If you look at the history of Bitcoin, it's been basically exclusively existing in low interest rate environments. It hasn't had to deal with crazy high interest rate environments. That's just the reality of Bitcoin. It's This is its first test. Now, if it can survive this environment and come out the other side ahead, then we can have genuine discussions. We can revisit the Bitcoin narrative. And I'm much more willing to have a discussion on that after it's been battle tested. But right now it's being battle tested. And so far it's, ho- it's holding up, but it's I wouldn't say it's coping. It's not passing the test with flying colors, is it? I mean, price action's a clear enough example of you know, why it may not be passing the test with flying colors. So let's look at pre-markets now to see maybe how the market reacts on Monday. And then I'm going to get into my Bitcoin price action for how I think Bitcoin responds to all this stuff. And I'm going to map out my levels, my scenarios, and my trades. Um, and hopefully that gives you clarity over what I think is happening from the market. Could the banks run to gold? I mean... We've been off a gold standard, and I'm talking about the Reserve Bank here. I mean, since the 70s, since um, the Nixon era, we've been off the gold standard, and I don't think banks are too keen to go back onto the gold standard. It's not, um, at least the Reserve Bank. Individual banks, could they run to gold? Uh, I mean, yeah, but it doesn't, it's not as capital efficient in many cases. And they oftentimes they do hold gold, but oftentimes it's not as efficient as just holding treasury bills, especially right now, since you can earn like, 4%. On two-year treasuries, it's like 5%. Um, and and bonds with like lo- uh, lower time frame maturation dates, it just makes a lot more sense uh, from an efficiency perspective versus holding gold. But in terms of whether I think the Reserve Bank should start incorporating gold to back the US dollar, I mean, uh, it's too late for that now. I d- obviously do much would much rather a gold standard because right now it's the, the the US dollar and every basically other dollar in the world's a big Ponzi scheme. Um and I don't mean to say that in terms of like the essence of the word Ponzi, but Ponzi in the sense that you can kind of just print as much as you like, deflate as much as you like, debase as much as you like, and there's no recourse seemingly. You just keep raising the debt ceiling if, if you ever hit hit a debt problem then your repayments start outpacing GDP and then basically you never pay down the debt and eventually your economy collapses. That's what's happened with basically every empire that's debased currency. Um, their economies end up collapsing. Like look at the Romans, look at basically every big empire in, in world's history um, has collapsed because of currency debasement. Actually, you can look at the Romans as a pure example of this. If you guys don't know what happened with the Romans, read the book, The Bitcoin Standard. It kind of gives you um, a bit of context into like why Bitcoin is what it is in, in the monetary system as hard money. But essentially what happened with the Romans was they had, and I'm not a history expert, but I roughly know this story. Um, they had like coins, which were like pure gold coins. And for hundreds of years, they would use these gold coins to transact and they were 100% gold. Then they started to get greedy. They started to fight more wars. They started to want to expand their territory. They were the biggest empire in the world, most dominant empire in the world. So to expand, instead of 
um, increasing their net economic productivity, which is how you can expand in net terms, um, typically if you're an economy, instead of doing that, they decided to dilute their currency, so debase their currency or inflate, print more money basically, um, to fund these wars and fund these um, you know, you know, aggressive takeovers of other nations. So the way they did it was they had 100% gold coins and they diluted them down and down and down and down and down. So you had a, they had 100% gold coins and then every single year it, it would dilute. So it went to 95% gold. And I don't know what the rest was. It may have been silver or something else, but 95% gold, then 90% gold, then 80% gold, then 70% gold. And eventually what was a 100% gold coin was no longer backed by gold. It was like 1% gold. And that's when their economy collapsed because their currency was essentially worthless. And what we're seeing today is basically the same thing that we saw back in the Roman Empire, just fast forward way into the future. And instead of diluting your gold coins, we're diluting the total money supply. It's the exact same principle. Whether you dilute a physical coin or inject fake money into the economy, it's the same thing. You're diluting, you're you're debasing your currency um, essentially, it really hasn't changed either. The Romans were fighting wars. That's why they're debased. And that's a major oversimplification, but that's the reason. And then the US now is fighting wars. Like They have huge military um, budgets, of course. And that's one of the reasons why their currency's debasing. Of course, the pandemic didn't help. And many other major events haven't helped, but that's life. Shit's always going to happen. Um, eventually, something's going to break. And that's the long-term thesis for Bitcoin that eventually, and this is super long-term, maybe 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, however long it takes, eventually, unless there's some major shift, which is almost looking like it's at the point of no return now for the US, but unless there's some major shift, you're going to see um, US dollars be worthless one day and, and the US economy will eventually completely collapse. Now, that's not a situation I would like to see happen. Um, I'm Australian, I'm not US, but that would have ramifications to Australia, Europe, basically any country with um, you know, high uh, trading terms with the US, but that's just the unfortunate reality of it. And I, and, I re- and I recommend reading the Bitcoin standard. It does kind of contextualize this with history, but history does repeat. Uh, as you said, Crypto Steve, every currency in the history of the world has gone to zero. Every currency, every single currency has gone to zero. I mean, how do you need more proof? You look at the Bitcoin, people look at the Bitcoin halving cycle and say, oh, Bitcoin's had three cycles. Um, uh, I mean, that must be enough of a data set to to evaluate a, a next cycle, right? There's been three in a row. There has to be a fourth, right? If you think three data points is enough, go, go look at the history of, of um, currencies in the world. You have a hundred data points, a hundred examples of coins collapsing and going to zero every single time without fail. That's got to be a higher probability than... Bitcoin going up next cycle, um, at least in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I don't mean to be too like much of a Debbie Downer because this stuff takes decades to play out. And like, but to be honest, like by the time that happens, hopefully we're going to be um, on private island somewhere with like massive crypto bags or, crypt- or crypto profits. Maybe you would have probably cashed out by then. Um, just cash out into gold or something that's not going to go to zero. But, um, you know, that, that's far in the future. But it does, I think, frame the need for Bitcoin a little bit and why it's created. Because we do forget in these short-term ebbs and flows of the market why Bitcoin exists, why it's so important. And maybe one day I'll do an edited video and I'll I'll give like a little history lesson, which is ironic because I'm 22. What would I know about history? But I guess anyone that can read a book um, 
can not can learn about history. At the end of the day, you have to learn it from somewhere, right? Um, books are great. I, I I love reading. In fact, if you have any book recommendations in the comments, let me know. I'm always interested um, to read like interesting books on history and all sorts of stuff. I think reading so important uh, to incorporate into your daily routine if you can make you smarter, more knowledgeable, and helped me a lot. Like basically with my basic comprehension and and verbal skills. We got Nagatoshi Sagamoto here. Yo, what's up? Um, Christopher is on TV. You're, you're on TV right now. Learn history. It's vital. 100%. Especially um, economic history. Especially, I mean, look at what happened. What happened in the 70s is probably most comparable to what's happening now. Uh, difference is this is on a bigger scale. I mean, we printed more money than we have in the entire history of the world or of the US dollar in a year. So it's on a much larger scale than the 70s. That's what worries me a little bit. Someone said Art of War. I've been meaning to read that. I haven't read it yet. Um, yeah, I, I'll go through after. I won't do all the book stuff now because I've got other important stuff to talk about, like my pri- Bitcoin levels and all that sort of stuff. But I will, after the show, go through the comments and I'll, I'll have a look and add them to my Goodreads because I yeah recommend Goodreads to keep track of books. Smash a like as, Chris, as Christopher... Says Christopher, but I think it's Christopher. Um, says so. All right, looking forward into the week. Um, history tangent aside, we have U.S. Dow futures pointing down, S and P futures pointing down, Nasdaq futures pointing down. The reason why is obvious. You've got uh, bank contagion fears. You have bank contagion fears. You've got this First Republic Bank fear. You've got the the S um, VB proceeding fears. So yeah, there's enough fear in the market to have futures ticking down. A lot of the time, this changes pretty drastically when the market actually opens. So I would look to see how Asia reacts. That's in roughly... So Aussie stock market opens in nine hours, but you're going to get China in 12 and a half hours. Look at how that opens. Super important. Asia's been a massive bidder recently. So watch the Chinese open in 12 hours. Watch Australian open because that's... Australian open sounds like the tennis grandstand. Watch the Australian open as well as the um, New Zealand open because that will give you an indicator as to how Asia may trade. Australia usually copies the US, but when it resets like this on a Monday, sometimes we do end up leading. So just keep your eye on that. In terms of how those markets react, that will kind of tell you how the US may react. But likelihood is they're going to open down. And that is probably off the back of contagion fears, but it's also a general de-risking because you've got massive things this week. Um I mean, Ted just outlined some some of the recent things you've had. So you've had U.S. unemployment tick, ticking higher to 3.6%, two-year yields having a, a massive pump and then a massive drop, Fed beginning to deliberate bailouts for banks, USDC de-pegging should be restored by Monday. He said it's big shifts bullish Bitcoin because you've got the bailouts. That's like some sort of stimulus. Uh, you've got two-year yields dropping, unemployment. Higher unemployment means basically the Fed eventually maybe have to, has to pivot because bad labor data is almost worse than inflation for them. Um, they, they, can't, they can't hike rates into really bad data. I'll rebut Ted a little bit on this because we have different opinions. He's maybe a bit more bullish than me at the moment. Um, it's that, yes, we did see an, an increase in unemployment, but there hasn't been a sustained increase. And it wasn't percentage-wise a large enough increase, I think, to really spook the Fed into like making a drastic decision. Clearly, the market agrees because the probabilities haven't shifted, right? 
So I agree if we keep seeing unemployment rising, they may just have to stop hiking rates. Like if that significantly rises and labor data is awful, bad, bad data is good data if you're a risk on bull um, because you want bad data. You don't want rate hikes. So that's a possibility. That's why uh, Ted says he's bullish BTC. But of course, you've got the banking contagion and the CPI on Tuesday to look out for. So CPI is super important. This is the FOMC, which the next meeting is on the 22nd of March. Um, These are the target probabilities. You have the 50 BPS scenario at 31.7%. Funny because this has been swinging, um, going back and forth for the past week. You've had 31% being more likely and 68% has flipped. So it's changing constantly. But generally over the last couple of weeks, the more dominant position has been the 50 BPS rate hike. Did I, If I said 75 before, I apologize. It's 50 um, BPS hike versus 25. And then you can also see in terms of the um, like future hike probabilities that like 6% is now being priced in by summer for the first time in, I mean, like a few weeks ago, it was like 0.2% chance. Now it's like a 20% chance. So the market things sustain hikes will take place. Will that take place? CPI is really the main data point to keep your eye on this week. Tuesday is when we're going to get data. Seeing a lot of estimates, 5.5 to 5.4 is the most common one. I think, obviously, if you get a, a, like CPI overshooting, that would be uh, very bad for crypto, very bad for stocks, because that means they're going to have to keep hiking to get inflation under control. If you see CPI coming in really low, that means inflation's coming down. That is good for markets. That means risk assets will likely respond well. So you do want to watch how hot CPI comes in. I've got a feeling, I don't know. I'll just give you my personal opinion because this is all just speculation. I no, You don't have an edge in macro. That's something I've just learned. I don't try to trade macro because I don't have an edge. But I've got a feeling it comes in either at or above expectations. And this is just feeling, so it may not matter at all what I think. Um, Because as I said, it's just speculation. I don't know. The reason why, like, randomly I would assume that CPI comes in a bit hotter is just because, I guess, going off the last reading, last reading being above expectations. um, In line with that, maybe we also see this reading above expectations. But I mean, who knows? It really is just a guess. Someone says, hopefully CPI comes in low. Absolutely. It'd be great. Um, let's So let's just pivot into Bitcoin now. This is like, let, let's map out the scenarios. What are the scenarios on Bitcoin uh, regarding CPI? But most importantly, Bitcoin has its own price action, has its own market structure, but CPI will change structure. Um, just a quick mention before we get into the Bitcoin chart. If you don't want to trade Bitcoin or ETH or any other coin, you can do so on OKX. We have a $10,000 mystery box promotion now. So if you deposit $50, sign up for a new account using the link in the description. I believe it's the first link um, of the, uh, yeah, the, the exchange links. Then you can get uh, potentially a $10,000 mystery box. We also do have other links as well. If you don't have a Bybit account, I think now's a decent time considering they've got a $30,000 sign-up bonus and BitGet as well with an $8,000 sign-up bonus. So links in the description to um, trade and get yourself some nice sign-up bonuses while you still can. So let's go through this Bitcoin chart now. Okay. I'm going to sound like a broken record again. If you guys watch my weekly shows, 
Uh, but I know a lot of you also don't watch, some of you don't watch my weekly show. So I'm just going to recap how I'm feeling about Bitcoin. Nothing much has really changed since Friday, FYI. But there are a few ideas that I think um, could play out. One of them may involve a bounce, but I'll explain that in a second. Essentially, the thing to understand about Bitcoin is now that we are range-bound. Very boring, I know, but we are range-bound. So the range from the 19th of June, uh, where you set in those lows at 18K, deviation below at FTX, you could argue that the range is down to 15, but I view this as market deviation due to like an extreme sell-off. We can also see we had multiple touch points, one, two, three, four um, touches of the 18K region, only had two of the... Um, the upper retest after the 15, uh, 15.7 level. So that's why I'm kind of calling 18 range lows and range high obviously is 25K. We tried to break through the range highs, failed to break out, and that resulted in downwards price momentum. You also have this very key level at 21.5, which is mid-range. That was uh, the key level of resistance that acted um, as resistance prior to the FTX collapse. And you also have mid-range, which acted as support for the Bitcoin fuel to push up to range highs at 25, which obviously failed, but that's what ended up playing out and acting as mid-range support. So contextualizing these levels, the important thing to note is that we're trading within the constraints of the range. We're not fighting the range until it's broken, right? If, if we got a breakout of uh, 25K and we retested, then obviously you know we can look for that 28 to 30K target. It didn't happen though. It got rejected. So then post-rejection, you're looking at mid-range. And then after we broke through mid-range, you're looking at range lows. You're looking at 18K. Very logical level for Bitcoin to come to, right? Here's the thing though. There is a fair bit of trading action, as you can see, that has occurred between 19 all the way up to 20K. So this level for me is still a fairly strong level and probably a decent level to long because if we don't come down to 18 right away, this is like a decent springboard for a push-up to mid-range. If we get there, I think it's a decent short unless CPI data is absolutely insanely out of this world and we get a rally and then we do something like this. Let me get my uh, my tool back up. Um, yeah, we do something like this. We break out above. And then retest, then I would consider maybe longing mid-range, but that would take really, really good CPI data. Until then, I think 21.5 is a gravitational force, but unfortunately, I think it's only a force um, that's a short-term force. Until proven otherwise, I think we we could see something like this. Um, I have deviation above because oftentimes price doesn't react exactly off the level. Levels act as like a rough support resistance point, and then you see like, market move above trying to like um, stop out shorts stop out longs um in this case and then yeah continuation to the downside so that is a potential scenario that can play out let's go on to the lower time frames though to kind of make this a little bit more obvious we had a bounce off this level here um pretty key level which is the twenty thousand level historically that's been a very key psychological level we had a bounce of that region and as you can see here, highlighted by this thicker line, that's that's mid-range. This line here. Um, in fact, I'll 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 write that in, so it's clearer. So you got mid-range there. So I do expect 
Bitcoin to push up to this range at some point. That is definitely like a, a, a long scenario for you to take. Then obviously, you know, cut longs there. There is also a, the bearish scenario that we just fail to gain momentum here and we look back towards 20. Once we break 20, that's a decent short to range lows for me. So the 20K level is, is a level I'm looking at as a potential zone um, that could be a short zone if we break and we lose momentum. So maybe some of you in the comments are like, oh, Moz, you're not giving us a scenario, like an exact trading scenario. Well, it's because if you're a trader, you're not looking for exacts. You're not looking for 100% probabilities because they don't exist. You're looking at setups, which can make you money either way. Now, I trade with 10% of my portfolio. How much you trade with is up to you. And I know I'm not a professional trader. I just use these levels as a general way to frame where we sit in the market and that can help me trade altcoins as well. The reason I'm trading Bitcoin now is because it's the biggest coin. It's going to be uh, the market leader. So we may as well trade Bitcoin if we're trying to work out what to do with alts. So 20K is very important. Break below 20 bearish retest, and I think range lows are a definite possibility at 18. If not, if we don't get that scenario, then I think a push up to 20 on fire is very possible. But I would cut longs there, and likely I would flip short. In general, this price action is not great. If we want to like really examine the momentum Bitcoin currently has, you have the, the failed breakout of 25. Then you have the failed breakout of the next level at 23. Then you have another lower high at 22.5. And then we're getting another bounce here. Now that bounce can extend, um, but it still wouldn't actually be bullish until you clear this zone. So you see this previous zone where a little bit of a price action happened around 21.5. Well, you'd need to clear that zone to even consider um, a long. You need to confirm above that zone to even consider like a, a long, a higher time frame long. Of course, you can play this like smaller trade if you want, much more comfortable with the 20K zone than the 20.4 zone. So in order for the market to turn bullish, and that will probably be off the back of low CPI data, you would need consolidation in this range. If I see consolidation above mid-range, I will long. Because that means, look, we may be flipping this yellow zone back into support. You flip the yellow zone back into support, and there's a genuine bull case for range highs again, Right. So I'm not doing anything too tricky. I'm just trading the range and I'm trading altcoins, the strongest narratives. There's a narrative I want to talk about in a couple of minutes that plays into this. I'm trading the strongest narratives to take advantage of upside if there's upside. It's really that simple. And mid-range is a springboard potentially for highs at 25. But you would need to see consolidation here for that to happen first, right? You don't want to see something like this where we come up, tests, week above, and then come back below, then, I mean, starts to lose steam. Immediately, if it starts to lose steam, I flip short at 21.5. As I said, the original scenario may play out. We may not even get that far, and we may start to come back down towards 20K. At that point, I would look to flip short on the retest of 20K, bearish retest, flip short, looking for range lows, right? So the overall thing to note is that we're playing the range. The big trades happen at the top of the range. The big trades happen at the bottom of the range and the medium size, medium to large trades happen at the mid range zone. We don't go crazy in this zone. We don't go crazy in this zone um, because these just are kind of no man's land zones. I don't mean that much. 
with the exception of this 19.3 to 19.5 zone, I think this is pretty decent. Um, like, let's say we, yeah, break down into this zone, react positively, break down. Like, I would look to um, potentially long in this zone again. I just think it looks solid, but um, really depends how price action behaves there. And the only reason I say that is because there's a lot of trading that happened back in September in that zone. Um, and we always look at zones that have historical trading. But in general, if you don't want to overcomplicate it too much, just look at, uh, yeah, the general range setup. And that's how you can trade Bitcoin. And as an extension of that, that's how you trade alts. Basically, what you do is you look at the Bitcoin chart, say you want along the Bitcoin chart, then you go into alts, you look at their charts versus Bitcoin. So let's say Phantom Bitcoin, look at how Phantom's trading versus Bitcoin and find the setups where you have confluence of not only Bitcoin's movement, but the altcoin's movement relative to Bitcoin. So you want to see that alt making higher highs on the Bitcoin chart. So let me just show you an example of what I do. So let's say I think Bitcoin's a long now. By the way, I don't. I think it's like maybe a tiny long. Um, a tiny, tiny mini long, trying to get up to the mid-range area, but I don't think it's like huge size at all if if, if, if you want to trade. Um, but let's assume it is a huge long and you're like, fuck, I need to long here. All right, Bitcoin tick. Bitcoin's a long. What do you do with alts? Well, you can go into something like Phantom, um, Phantom BTC, and I'm just using that as an example. And you would look at the the chart and you can do this with anything, Solana, AVAX, anything with and, and to try and find relative strength. Does this have relative strength? No, it looks shit. It looks like it's bleeding versus BTC. It looks like it's probably going to retest here and then come down um, back into this zone. It looks terrible. So I wouldn't be longing Phantom. Um, unless, right, you get a break above and then you start to consolidate here and then you push up. And if you can clear this zone, then I'm starting to think, okay, Phantom might be a decent long. So you have to look for confluence. I mean, you can do this with any coin. Um, like, I don't know, Frack share. Frack's got hammered over the past couple of days. If you start to see it, I mean, this looks better actually than the Phantom chart. If you start to see it look decent on the Bitcoin chart, that could be confluence um, for a long. This is the major trend I'm seeing here. So I think it's still got some room to pull back. Down into this zone. And I keep forgetting how small my charts look on the phone. For the phone, guys, I'm sorry. Probably a pullback into this zone then could become a decent long if it lines up with Bitcoin, right? And the same thing for a short. If if Frax starts to break this zone, retest, Bitcoin looks bearish, then bang, you've just got short confluence on two charts. And you also want to line up this with the Frax USD chart. So instead of just looking at like an alt setup or a Bitcoin setup, start to look for relative strength through lining up Bitcoin's price action, the altcoin's price action versus US dollars and versus Bitcoin. Probably going to make you a better trader and you're going to be able to spot better narratives for longs and weaker narratives for shorts. So that's what I'd be looking at over the next week. What am I seeing in the stock market? Because this will be a major driver of BTC. I am seeing a few things. Um, The first thing I'm seeing is let me just clear these things, uh, these yellow things from last week. First thing I'm seeing is we're breaking a key zone. So if you look at the stock market, there's a key diagonal trend. Bang. Key trend that we're now breaking below. Now, this is not good for stocks to remain even somewhat 
bullish. You want to see a hold of this yellow zone, right? I think a lot of people got really excited when they started to break in this area. People thought, wow, okay, we're breaking, we're going to the moon. But it really didn't last that long. The bullishness was not... um, Yeah, it wasn't sustained. In fact, it didn't even clear the next key area it needed to clear, which was the previous high at 433. So now we're back below the 4K level, key psychological level for the S&P. S&P 500 is like the most traded index fund. Probably the re- the reason why I'm looking at it is because it's the most traded um, and just the most generally observed by the market. We're now breaking back down below this trend. So that's looking bearish. Obviously, it's not trading right now until Monday, but futures are ticking down. Likely, we do see this come down another 1% um, and start to break below. In that case, you've really got to start looking at key support for stocks and this is like one zone where there's going to be key support at the three, six zone. That could be a level that we come down to. In fact, the probability of us going there now is very high in my opinion. And that would result in a 5% pullback in stocks. That is your Bitcoin 18K scenario. Stocks going down to three, six is your Bitcoin 18K scenario. Your Bitcoin 21.5 scenario is it holds this level breaks above, and then pushes back up to um, beyond 4K, back to 4,200. Now, CPI data is going to be the driver here, but now at least you're equipped with the charts to be able to make a better trade uh, with the stock market. Now, I assume this will be bearish because that's the pattern. We have to follow the trend. The trend has been bearish. That's how I'll trade it. And I'll draw in the diagonal again so you can see it one more time. And I recommend drawing this in on your own charts if you haven't already. But yeah. Looks like it wants to come down. Um, you also got this zone as well. If you want to like extend the zone a bit, because we know price never moves like in terms of um, singular levels. Usually it's ranges where price operates within a range. So I would yeah possibly extend that and, and say like it would need to hold here. But in general, it looks like it wants 36 in terms of just the pure price setup. Now, TA isn't everything on these um, indexes because... I mean, S&P 500 is the most traded index fund in the world. People are going to be acutely aware of of, of TA and, and it becomes very hard to trade it based on TA. What I trade, I don't trade the S&P what, and I wouldn't open any trades based on these charts because charts, they're just drawings at the end of the day. They're just lines, right? I'm only using this as a momentum gauge for Bitcoin. So I like having a momentum gauge on the stock market to work out, do we have momentum or are we looking bearish? So I can go back to my Bitcoin chart, which in my opinion, TA works better on than than, than other um, equities. And then I could start to like set up some trades. Actually, a bit of a price discrepancy between Bitcoin on Coinbase, Bitcoin on Bitstamp, and Bitcoin on Binance. Let's see what BTC is on Bybit. Yeah, so the Binance price is correct. Uh, I think. I don't know why the price is so much higher on um, Bitstamp. I know why it's higher on Coinbase, actually, because a lot of people were trading their USDC for Bitcoin. So there's actually a premium on Coinbase right now. So if you're buying Bitcoin, just buy it on, uh, buy it on, yeah, buy it or Binance instead of buying it on Coinbase. Um, once again, if you do want to trade, uh, OKX has the $10,000 mystery box promo. You've also got uh, Bybit with the 30K bonus and BitGet with the AK bonus. So uh, link in the description to sign up there. 
if you would like to open a trade, we're going to be having some cool giveaways over the next few weeks. I won't go too much into it yet until I can say, but cool stuff, especially on the OKX side. So it's definitely worth getting an account going there um, ahead of that. S&P looking weak. Yeah, it is looking weak. Uh, and we established at the start of the show exactly why it's looking weak. Great singer, not the best financial advisor. Well, I hope I'm not a financial advisor. Um, none of this is financial advice. It's just my opinion on what the charts could do. And but thank you for the compliment on my singing. I don't know how. I don't know if I know you, but I am a singer. If you guys didn't know that, someone said he's link dead. Let's have a look at some link. Link, link, link. Oofed. I'm going to go four alley for this. Ah, terrible. Yeah, it broke my key trend, um, which is this key, like, yellow trend. Broke down, didn't quite get to 5.8, which was the support zone. Key level of support for the link is this zone. Like, look at that. Like, clear, um, yeah, clear cluster, especially back in December in this zone, and, and a bounce from out of the zone as well. So yeah, in terms of a long, that's where I'd do it. But also it goes it goes both ways. Um if if this starts to break down and then does something like this, then that's like you short that shit down to 530. But it is looking quite weak. For sure. But then again, there are weaker coins. I wonder what Link BTC looks like. There are weaker coins though than Link. Um Yeah, Link BTC looks terrible. So if it breaks, hold on, let's let's actually zoom out a bit onto the daily. Um just to try and draw in a better trend. Yeah. If it breaks below here, I would start to get a little bit worried on link. But we have seen deviation before. Look at this. Massive deviation. And that was, what, a 25% move, though. So, yeah, you break below, you definitely can look at shorting. This is on the BTC chart, by the way. So, yeah, let's say Bitcoin starts to break down below 20 and Link starts to break down versus BTC, then I would short Link. Does Mars think Bitcoin will be pumped? Oh, you were talking about Bob Marley. Not about me. Oh, okay. Well, at least you know now that I can sing. <laughs> Arweave looks good to long. Have a look on Arweave. Uh, then I'm going to get into Operation Choke Point. Ah, sorry to bring more FUD back, but have to talk about Operation Choke Point. So, Arweave looks... Terrible. <laughs> oh, so on a higher time frame, if we go into the daily, Arweave looks terrible. Um, like it, it quite literally looks horrible. Um, and I don't know what to tell you beyond that. But for the for for the spot longers, this may not be a bad zone. In fact, if you're if you've got a long-term portfolio 
and you want to DCA during times of fear, I don't think, and not not financial advice. I don't think, from a chart perspective, this looks bad at all. Um, from a buy zone perspective, now of course, if you're a trader, you're freaking worried. It's gonna probably go lower, and I don't think it's going that low to a dollar. By the way, it could, but I doubt it. But in terms of spot buying, like you guys know, I'm not buying a lot of spot right now. I'm pretty selective with the spot I do buy, mostly Bitcoin ETH. But you know, if you are, if you have to buy spot, and you really need to buy something. Then yeah, this 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 is probably one that I would um look at stocking up on. Pretty pretty damn low. But let's look at the uh, hourly on Arweave. Actually, what's Arweave's market cap now? I love storage as a narrative, by the way. Like the storage, the growth in that sector is going to be immense, not just in crypto but across um, TradFi as well. I like its tokenomics. I like that side of things. Um, go away. Uh, market cap 375. What's the FDV? 490. Uh, Filecoin ahead of FVM. I mean, Filecoin's like the bigger protocol. Nine bill, 9.7. I mean, more of an AWS model versus like a permanent storage model versus 494. I'd be interested to see how their file size is going, actually. Um, they have partnerships with Dot, Solana, Chainlink. Show me the R-Weave, R-Weave, um, weave size. It had that spike. Now, this is the total amount of data stored on the network. Um, 127 terabytes. It had that spike in December last year. I mean, it's still on the same trajectory. It's tapered a little bit, but it's still on a similar trajectory. This is a project that when crypto hits mass adoption, infrastructure layers like this, storage protocols, they explode. But it's a slow burn in the bear market. So it's like not really one you need to rush into buying, I just think because... No, in the bear market, these kind of infrastructure projects, they don't necessarily perform that well um, unless you're like trading them. Then like FVM with Filecoin perform really well and they could announce something and they could perform well. You love to smash the like. That's good to hear. Uh, we'll get back into charts at the end. I want to go through Operation Choke Point. So I did a video on this on the channel, and a lot of you have probably seen it by now. Oh, there's my face on my... Oh, wow. Two of me on my home screen looking very scared. Very scared. Very worried about the banks. To be fair, totally justified thumbnail. 100% justified um, if you've watched this whole video. Um, yeah, so this video, this coordinated attack on crypto. In 15 minutes, this is going to summarize... Operation Choke Point, if you want to watch it after. And actually, Josh, we can put it in the description for the viewers if they um, would like to watch this. What I will summarize, though, is basically what's happening in a very short fashion. I think the best way to do it is just look at the timeline, right? Basically, over the last couple of months, regulators at the... Order of likely the Biden administration alongside the SEC have started 
sanctioning crypto-related banks, on-ramps, off-ramps, products that essentially are the service layer behind crypto functioning. So the US is very smart. And I'll tell you why they're very smart. Because they want to, well, I mean, I don't know categorically if this is true, but at least the people in power, they don't love crypto. They want to limit the usage of crypto. So how do you limit crypto without banning it? Because the problem is, if you ban crypto, there's uproar in society. You probably only make it stronger because people start to go, well, you're banning the very thing that that um, can give us some sort of freedom. So like, no, no we're actually going to buy Bitcoin. And it, it just could backfire. It could be it just very bad look optically, especially like on a global scale. So the US, instead of like outright banning it, They've decided, well, we can choke the liquidity out of the system by sanctioning crypto banks, not allowing new banks to enter, shutting down staking services, going after stable coins, basically sanctioning anything we don't like or think offers um, some sort of service to crypto that we want to stop. And that allows them to attack crypto without banning crypto. So there's a link in there's a video link in the description. That video explains exactly what's happening. I'm giving you a summary now, a less eloquent summary because it's 12.30 at night and I'm live. And obviously live, you're not going to be as uh, concise as in an edit because you can retake shit. But essentially, over the last couple months, there's been many, many actions against crypto. So the Signature Bank um, announced their intent to halve deposits. On Jan 3rd, the Fed, FDIC, released a joint statement on the risk to banks engaging with crypto. Then we saw Metropolitan Commercial Bank shutting down crypto asset um, support. We saw Silvergate dropping as well on bank-run uh, fears. They were like the main crypto bank at the time. So then your main crypto bank goes down. That's not good. Binance announced its policy uh, of user fiat transactions only being allowed over 100K. So that's basically like stopping transactions for the majority of retail clients. The Federal Reserve denied Custodia's two-year application to become a member of the Federal Reserve System, citing safety and soundness risks. So not even allowing banks to operate crypto. So new parties, the market can't even self-sort. Typically what happens in markets is when there's a need for something, usually something steps in to fill that need. So right now there's a need for crypto banks because Silvergate went down. What are the other options? They're very limited. There actually is a need for more crypto banks. But then you have applications to book for new banks to enter the market, like a normal market does. When there's a market need, it tends to get filled. It's just how efficient economies operate, especially capitalistic ones. But they're not even being allowed to step into that void because the Federal Reserve is not, al- not allowing them licensing because that is Operation Choke Point, trying to stop liquidity flow in and out of crypto. That's a problem. On Jan 27th, the Fed also issued a policy statement which discourages banks from holding crypto assets. The National Economic Council released a policy statement not explicitly banning banks from crypto clients, but strongly disencouraging banks from transacting crypto assets or maintaining exposure to crypto depositors. 
DOJ fraud unit then started to investi- investigate Silvergate. Binance suspended USD transfers. Um, on Feb 8th, there was sanctioning against Paxos. And since then, we've seen a bunch of stuff. This was written on Feb 9th. Since then, we've seen a plethora of things. Even speculation in USDC, um, such Silicon Valley was another attack on crypto. We'll get into that in a sec. But this is a real crossroads for crypto. This is the most bearish headwind of the year. Macro is a major headwind, but this is bigger. And this is scarier. And this is what I'm really, 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 really monitoring, how the situation plays out. Look, the US isn't going to stop crypto. Crypto will happen with or without the US. Decentralization will happen. Other countries will step into the void. But you can't argue that the major developer in terms of development activity, the major client base, given the fact that the majority of users are in the US, the the majority of inflows, you you can't argue that disrupting that economy is is a net positive for crypto because it's not. So what's happening in the US is very dangerous. I think the government's making a bad mistake. I think they are getting it totally wrong. Um, I think I have to backtrack on a lot of this. But over the next few months, I am definitely keeping my eyes closely on Operation Chokepoint. Once again, if you want to watch that video, I did it earlier today. Link in the description to that as well if you want to watch that later. But it's a major headwind for crypto. Now, LEO. Now, also, it's not all doom and gloom. As, as I said, there are benefits. Like um, Crypto is going to operate either way. There's going to be um, yeah, companies that do get regulatory approval and are still allowed to operate. All this is the butterfly effect from FTX. All of this is... I mean, it may have happened anyway, but all of this is happening with FTX slash SBF being used as a scapegoat. So, irrespective of whether... Choke point would have happened without FTX. He's being used as the as the excuse. We need to protect consumers. We need to protect customers. We can't let another FTX happen. Well, SEC, if you didn't want FTX to happen, why didn't you do something while it was happening? Why are you going after other why are you going after companies that have been reliable, sound, as far as we know, not breaking any laws apart from the securities laws you're trying to impose on them now? It's pretty crazy. We saw that with Kraken, for example. Elio said if a bailout doesn't come for Silicon Valley Bank, we know this was purely an attack on crypto. They knew USDC relied on SVB and crypto on USDC. Rumors are JP Morgan helped cause the panic. FDIC are now blocking the acquisition. This was a fully regulated rug, mafia style. Let's not pretend to be locked in a cage of such sharks. That regulation makes us safer. Big call, Elio. Big call saying that the lack of a bailout is essentially an attack on crypto. When I first read this, I thought it was a rubbish conspiracy theory, but then I actually looked into the data a little bit more, and I realized the number one counterparty was Circle. The number two, Roku, is 487 million. An eighth of what Circle had deposited and the third largest depositor was BlockFi at 227. And then Roblox at 150 is almost nothing compared to Circle. So could potentially the reason that they're 
not getting a bailout is because crypto constitutes the large majority of these deposits, potentially. Now, I'm not necessarily saying I agree or disagree with Elio because it's a theory and we're probably never going to have proof on this. But this could allude to the fact that the Silicon Valley Bank scenario, to some extent, is tied into Operation Chokepoint. Now, whether it is or isn't doesn't really matter because the reality is Operation Chokepoint is underway. You can read the full article by Nick Carter. I showed it in my video earlier. But it's, it would be pretty shocking if if this um, SVB thing, because of the crypto exposure, was um, specifically targeted. Pretty crazy. So Geordi plays on this logic a little bit more. And this is maybe a bit of hopium for you guys, actually, because maybe some of you were scared of choke point. Geordi's a very smart guy. Did a great interview with him a few months ago. Basically a genius. Has his own VC fund, Selene Capital. Runs a trading firm. Like he's He's... Yeah, basically one of the Twitter goats, but just in general, one of the best guys in, in the space, smartest guys in the space, former poker pro as well. But he did a very, very good tweet. And it's long, but this is like basically one of the best tweets I, I've seen on Twitter over the past few weeks. He said, in fact, let me retweet this because it's that good. He said, good time now to imagine what happens if fiat to crypto, crypto to fiat, on and off ramps, get shut hard by the government, aka Operation Choke Point. No way to get money in. That's bearish, right? Well, it could actually be a huge step forward. An entire separate economy can be built around the digital assets. With no choice to convert to fiat, people will save and spend them for each other's goods and services. Similar to a black market economy, but it would be the zeros and ones market. As the governments cause inflation and crash the fiat economy, it'll be an avenue for people to opt out of their local corrupt or inept governments. All we need is some organization. Because right now, when people say crypto, we have a group of serious assets with good distribution and some potential Bitcoin, maybe ETH, total Ponzi slash casino stuff, tech investments, uh, basically securities, stable coins, but with different categories, only ones backed by crypto money, not bank deposits, can work in this system. There needs to be a coalescing and the global crypto users to get their shit together and figure out how a non-fiat money can work. The most important consideration is seniorage. We cannot print shit out of thin air and expect there to be money coordination. Value has to be earned. Time for philosophers to step in and not just the techies and casino operators. Now, this is a huge take it's really interesting because it's actually something i've been thinking about since he tweeted which was a day ago and i've been thinking about it all day because it's a really interesting thought experiment and you could almost yeah ponder this for hours but in a way is it this way crypto was made in the first place i mean maybe not some of these Ponzi casino stuff or the security stuff, but like Bitcoin as a payment standard. I mean, that's essentially how it worked back in the Silk Road days, like drug trades and the illegal trade, right? But what if you had that same trading model replicated for legal and valid purposes? Could Bitcoin then start to genuinely fulfill its 
purposes, some sort of payments network. It doesn't have to be Bitcoin either. It could be ETH. It could be any, it could be crypto in general. It could be an entire decentralized ecosystem, right? Could we potentially have a crypto economy that develops value in its own right as crypto? Just play the thought experiment out. Think Think about it in your own head, right? Okay, this won't happen, by the way, in every country. So, but just think about it. If all fiat to crypto, let's say you can't deposit anymore. There's no unwrap. You can't get fiat into crypto. You can't. You can't. They're all shut. It's impossible. The only way to do it would be to have a bag of cash and hand it to your buddy that pays you Bitcoin, like we saw in the old days. And every off-ramp was cut off as well. So you can't sell Bitcoin and Binance and cash out to your bank account 20 minutes later. You can't. There's no on-ramps or off-ramps. What would be the premium that's put on Bitcoin then? No more liquidity can enter the ecosystem. The, The ecosystems get their own value. So every dollar inside that ecosystem could be worth $1,000. Every $100 could be worth $10,000, $100,000. Because there's a premium on using this technology and Bitcoin's design, which is by nature like hard money. Now, this won't happen. I'm willing to bet you it won't happen, and it's not my thesis. But it's such an interesting thought experiment considering what's happening happening with Operation Chokepoint to conduct. It is really a great tweet. It is really a great tweet. And look, this Operation Chokepoint aside, just taking into account all of the things that have happened over the last few weeks with banks going down, with the shakiness in the economy and the macro situation... I come out of these few weeks being more bullish on Bitcoin than I have in a long time. Like I genuinely feel the need for Bitcoin has just been made evidently more clear again and again and again and again. And sometimes you forget it because you kind of get in your little altcoin crypto crazy bubble. But, you know, take your step back. It's going to play a very important role in the, in the economy, in my opinion. A very important monetary role. And just because it's going to play a monetary role doesn't mean you ape into it or like, you know, you put all your money in Bitcoin because your goals financially are different, right? It's not going to ever give you the returns that altcoins are going to give you. But it may, at the end of the day, be the project, the coin that gives crypto that global mass appeal. So... At the end of the day, it is important because it's where the, the majority of liquidity flows in, more so than ETH. So it's very, very, very important. Um, but I feel very confident in the future of Bitcoin, and I feel like the, the events of the last few weeks have only strengthened that argument. I also feel like over the, the last few weeks, with the sanctioning of BUSD and the recent collapse of USDC, I've said this before, but the exact the, the amount of examples we've had now of failed stablecoins slash issues with stablecoins 
it's just really highlighted the need for an immutable, transparent, fully transparent, decentralized stablecoin. Now, I don't know how this is going to look. Whether it's over-collateralized on-chain, whether it's algorithmically hedged, delta-neutral using other crypto assets like redeeming Bitcoin and hedging. Um, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly how it would work. But I think the need for an on-chain decentralized stablecoin is huge. Now, there are many solutions currently and upcoming solutions which look good. You've got GHO, um, which is Aave Go. You've got Jed, which is Cardano's. You've got FUSD, which is Phantoms and Andre's. You've got Curve USD. Um, you've got Frax, which is they're currently largely USDC, I know, but they're changing their model. Um, by the way, Frax's plan over time has been to alter their model. They never wanted to be fully USDC or largely USDC. Mars, you forget about the recession. Duh. I literally gave you my charts before, bro. Literally gave you my charts before, bro. Why the leather balls? Christopher likes leather balls. They're footballs. But yeah, there are many good solutions, but I think each have benefits and each have flaws. But I think there's going to be a winner at some point. And the winner is going to create a lot of opportunities. Whoever can design the end game decentralized stablecoin is going to be not only sitting on a gold mine, but it's going to solve one of crypto's biggest pain points, which is more important, right? Than just opportunistic trading opportunities. Because we genuinely need a transparent decentralized stablecoin. It's so clear. It's ridiculously clear. So there are a few options. Actually, if you guys watched the show on Thursday, I had um, Runner XBT come onto the show, gave a great segment on audible trading it was fantastic he said he was longing lqty at 160 you can see here maybe it's slightly zoomed out but that's it says 160 um doing very well now i think it hit 230 so if you got in when he told you to in that zone that he had highlighted you would have made 43 percent. if you kept holding you'd be still up 26 percent um, you know, if you 10x leverage that, then you're up ridiculous amounts. Two, two, three x, maybe four, five x. So he got that spot on. Well done, um, to runner. And yeah, I'm gonna continue having quality traders on the shows. So make sure you don't miss a show because you never know who could come on. Gonna be having a lot of secret surprise guests soon because I just believe, um, that's the way to do it. Just got to keep the alpha high. If, if I'm not the one providing alpha, someone has to. I just want to have the highest alpha per minute showing crypto, however I'm going to get there. So in terms of like price action on this now, I think it really needs to reclaim above here um, and continue. It does have a little bit of resistance, not a whole lot of historical data, so not the greatest TA on this one. But you know that 2.4 level you want to break out above this previous high at 250. Um but let's see, because it could also reject here. And then you're looking to for, for a pullback to this 1.8 region. There are some pretty um, decent accumulation regions. I actually like this project as well. It's, it's in the decentralized stablecoin narrative. 
It also got listed on Binance. So that's your first zone and then your second zone. It's here if you want to buy it. Um, keep track of momentum on the diagonal. But yeah, this was the zone that he also highlighted. Actually, his was a bit lower. His was here on the four-hourly chart. Um, and yeah, that, that was a very good trade. So if you guys got into that, well done. Nice new background. You like the new background? Yeah, I think it's fresh. I think it's unique. I think we're going to keep changing uh, the backgrounds over time. If you guys want a blast to the past, um, what this was the old background. So what do you prefer? What do you guys prefer? This or this? Old background, new background. But we're going to keep changing it. Um, Yeah, let's spin up a poll. Let's spin up a poll. Old background, new background, vote. Let me know what you think, but I think the new background's better. So, the need for decentralized stablecoins are clear. Geordie's thought experiment alludes to the need for like... Well, he's not alluding to the need. He's just saying like a decentralized economy could play out. So, if you're not already on DEXs and familiarizing yourself with those ecosystems, I would, um, to be honest. Like you guys already know, like I'm a big fan of trading on DEXs. Um, Liquidity farming, LPing, all that kind of stuff. You can do so on KyberSwap in terms of LPs. I actually think they've got some decent pools. Let's have a look. So if you go into KyberSwap and go into Earn, then go Pools, you can sort by, you can see the pools. They've got Rapdeath USDC paying 60%. They've got some really good pools. Um, OP USDC, of course, they can get a permanent loss on some of these. USDC Mai, Mai is another stable. I know. USDC is a bit shaky, so I wouldn't like ape into that, but um, just kind of going through them. ETH staked ETH. Wow. 42% on ETH. So if you're willing to be like adaptive and get into these pools, um, you can earn crazy amounts in the short term. So the TVL is low here. It's 180. So this will likely tank. So you have to be like adaptive, be able to go in and out of pools. The good thing is if you're going in and out of pools and you need to swap into another asset, KyberSwap will aggregate the best rates. So if you go ETH USDC, in fact, I don't recommend doing that. Like ETH staked ETH or wrapped ETH. ETH wrapped ETH. Um, exchange rates are always one-to-one or just any token you want. Then it's going to route it through. So Aave is going to route through Uniswap V3. ETH Curve's going to route through Curve. Um, Sorry, Uniswap 35, 30, 65, based on two different pools. And it's, the KyberSwap's also across like many different um, chains. So you've got ETH, Avalanche, Arbitrum. You're going to be able to get opportunities across yeah, all the chains to trade, and it's going to save you money. It's going to have um, going to automatically find you the best route. So yeah, if you're trying to get into LPs and you're swapping or just swapping in general, KyberSwap's a good place to do it. Uh, and yeah. This is decentralized. Yeah, it's a DEX. It's a DEX aggregator. So they don't hold... So they have their own liquidity. So if you go to my pools, the, these are all their liquidity pools. They have Elastic and Classic pools. So you'll earn trading fees. That's how they pay out APRs. So you can add liquidity here to earn. Um... So that's how they pay that that's how they like provide swaps. 
That's how they like liquidity pools. Basically, if you don't know what they are, this is what facilitates deck swapping on an AMM, an automated market maker. But they also just find the best rates. So if, whether that's through their own pool or through Uniswap or Curve or wherever, depending on the chain, they're going to aggregate to get you the best rates and save you money. So link in the description if you want to trade on KyberSwap. Um, 23,000 tokens. So like when, if you can't find something on a centralized exchange, then you can do it on, on, on Kyber. I also recommend uh, that you... If you're going to use a DEX, like what, like if Geordie's thesis plays out, which, yeah, I said I don't think it will, but like inevitably, like one element will. I think that's like we do see some sort of bubble, DeFi isolated bubble. Make sure you're protected. We got a link to NordVPN, which is going to give you um, a discount on, on a VPN. So I know most of you already use a VPN. You don't have to use mine. To be honest, I just recommend you use a VPN in general, whether that's mine, your own, I don't care. If you do want a discount, we got a discount in the description uh, with a 30-day back money guarantee. So if you don't like it, if you think it's shit, you can literally apply, get your money back. It's $3 a month. Pretty good risk reward if you ask me, protecting your identity online, but also protecting yourself against hacks watching Netflix, whatever you want to do for $3 a month. Not a terrible trade. $3 to save thousands potentially of MetaMask funds. So I think it's I think it's very, very solid. Mars, where can we find you singing? Uh, I'm not going to say that. Some will know. I don't have a song here. Maybe one day. I'm actually... Well, the thing is, I used... My old um, music is like a couple years old now. So I've actually been thinking of... Just as a hobby. Because I don't have that many hobbies. Basically just golf and tennis and crypto. I actually basically just do crypto all the time. Since I don't have many hobbies, I was thinking of restarting... Like making some music for fun. When I make some new songs, I'll share it with you. Why not? I'll post it on Twitter. Um, But... I, I want to work on some new stuff then because what I made back in the past is like different from what I would make now. Is Norton VPN any good? There's probably, I don't know, probably. I mean, Norton's a good company. Probably is. Um, Yeah, we use Nord. We can get you a discount on Nord if you want to use Nord. I've never had a bad experience with Nord. It's always been fantastic. But of course, use any VPN you're comfortable with as long as you use a VPN. What genre? Uh, well, I could sing anything, but mostly pop and hip hop. I'm mostly into hip-hop, so it's like rap crossovers and stuff. Don't you sleep? It's 12. It's 1 a.m. Uh, yeah, uh, I got to sleep soon, but I actually, after this video, have to do a lot of stuff. Um, Yeah, I've got a lot to do. And it's 1 a.m., so that's great. Hopefully just one hour of work, though. Then I can be done. Any thoughts on Soul? Yeah, man, Soul's got a... Uh... Sol's, I mean, there's a bull and a bear case for Sol. Uh, the bull case is it's got an expansive developer ecosystem, pretty strong community. The downside for Sol is its its reputation now is in the toilet with all of these outages. And does that start to affect where future development takes place? Maybe. So 
For Sol, look, obviously I'd love to long a breakout. We haven't gotten this breakout of this channel. I'm going to go into the daily. Hopefully my lines stay. Yep. Um, we haven't got a breakout of this channel. You can see it. It's actually a freaking horrible channel. Looks like uh, $8 souls on the cards, lads. Break below this. Oof. $8 soul. I don't want it. I'm just the bearer of bad news. I don't want it, but... uh. No, of course. You've also got that bull scenario. The, the, look, there's always scenarios with coins. It's never black and white. You've got the breakout scenario, right? Where you are something like this, much more bullish. But until we confirm above the diagonal as well as the horizontal, then unfortunately, yeah, it's looking like we're going to get that breakdown. Let's see. It's not really a breakdown, though, is it? Because um, this is just the range it's in. This is just the channel it's in. And if you want to make it even simpler, lower high, lower high, lower high. Does TA work on manipulated securities? I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> I really don't. Manipulated securities. Mani secure well, firstly, half these cryptos aren't even securities. Well, not, none of them are technically. Well, we just don't know. But currently they're not. And manipulated. I think every market's manipulated. You TA. Also, the question like, does TA work is a better question because that's more of a general question. Um, and I would answer by saying, yeah, TA is great for risk management. It's great for momentum tracking. It's great for ideas. It's great for relative strength. It's great to find outliers. It's great. But is TA going to work by itself? Nah. And that's why I'm not a TA analyst. I track the fundamentals. I look for confluence on charts. I manage risk. And yeah, it's just way it's way better that way. This market's weird. TA just doesn't cut it. TA is great if you do it in confluence with some fundamental understanding of what's happening with macro. You're aware of the key dates. You're, you know, you're up to date. Um you are deep diving on Twitter, you're researching projects, T then TA is great. TA is your risk management. For me, TA is a risk management tool. It's like, okay, uh, there's a big announcement coming for a, from a project. What's the best level to buy at? TA is going to help me get that level. I'm trying to find an altcoin to long because I think Bitcoin's going to pump because of interest rates. At, how do I ladder into that long? Where, where's my validation for that long? TA is great. It'll give you a stop loss, give you a take profit. So I, I really like TA. It's a lot of fun as well, but it's not a sole analytical tool. I hate it when freaking traders think that their lines are controlling everything. Like, ooh, this diagonal's like the be all and end all for the price. If, if it doesn't break, it's going to zero. It's like, eh, your line means a lot less than you think, bro. But it's a momentum tracker. And for example, this line here, what it's actually tracking, if we want to break it down into its fundamentals, what this uh, diagonal sloping trend is, is it's really just tracking uh, higher lows and it's momentum, right? So if you're shorting, you're betting on continuation of momentum. And look, momentum is, it's easier to trade with momentum than against momentum. You can trade against momentum after momentum breaks. So why do we have a trend line? 
Well, it's going to help us gauge when momentum's breaking. Now, if you can get that in confluence with like a horizontal, like we have here for Solana, and then chuck in a, a, another key indicator, like I love moving averages, then you're going to start to see a whole lot of things line up. And for Solana, for a while they've been lining up. Um, yeah, like the MA, like look at this. Crazy resistance for Sol. I mean, you've got three, basically like this zone, you, you had three indicators, 200 MA, diagonal, key horizontal level, all crossing. And it acted as extremely strong resistance. Now, if it broke out, of course you get this fake out. You're always going to get a fake out um, in a situation like this. Not always, but a lot of the time. So that's why you got to be kept, like you only ladder 30% on the break and on the retest, right? Um, but we just shot straight through. We, we didn't get confirmation. So, yeah, it got rejected. We came back down. So it may very well happen again um, where it tries to break again. But for now, this is bearish. Someone wants Matic. And once again, I'm not a professional TA expert, but um, I think, yeah, it's important for risk management. So why not? Why not do a bit of TA? Uh, very key bounce for Matic. This is the daily chart. Bounce off the 200MA on the daily. As long as it's above this, I think it's an okay long. I think the major short opportunities are kind of done for me. I would look to short again close to its range high of 130. If, if, if you're a trader SC or XO and you like shorting. But you'd want a significant bounce. Uh, at least. And like you could argue this zone could be that bounce. So you can definitely argue for a short at 112 to 115. Keep your eye on that. That zone. Something like that. But obviously, in line with what Bitcoin's doing. That's a potential zone for you to look at shorting. That's a key level. Yeah. You, 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 Matic really needs to flip that level to think about going back towards its range highs, right? Just a lot of weakness in the market right now. Just a lot of general weakness. Um, you can even draw in on, on the four-hour, like your diagonal trend. But it actually should be drawn like that because that's first touch, second touch, third touch, fourth touch. Problem is you break out. And you can probably trade the breakout on the hourly. If you're a real freaking degen and all you care about is a 6% move, which is actually pretty freaking decent with leverage, um, then you, know, you want to look at this MA and the horizontal trend line, uh, diagonal trend line break. But then, you know, your TP is only here at 115. And then you might need to flip short <laughs> based on the high time frame um, Matic setup. So, yeah, Matic, that's what I'm saying. I already looked at Link earlier. 
Bitcoin will be pump, pump. Bitcoin pump. Is this your song, Miles? Let's get ChatGPT to write us a song. Write me a song about Bitcoin pumping. Please, because I'm nice. There's a buzz in the air, a feeling so electric. Everyone's talking about the about a coin that's kinetic. It's the king of crypto who's got the power to move markets in seconds to make the world cower. Bitcoin's pumping, it's going to the moon, the price is rising, we'll all be rich soon. Get in while you can, don't be left behind. Bitcoin's pumping, it's a one of a kind. Oh, it's a one of a kind find, wow. How about that for a rhyme? People everywhere are buying, buying, buying. The FOMO is so strong. It's like they're flying. I'm not singing it. I'm really not. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing to, to a world where money flows so free, where everyone's, I'm speaking like a poem, where everyone's wealthy, where we all can be. Bitcoin's pumping. It's going to the moon. The price is rising. We'll all be rich soon. Get it while you can. Don't be left behind. Bitcoin's pumping. It's a one of a kind find. Some say it's a bubble. Some say it's a dream. But those who believe in it know what it means. It's a revolution, a new way of thinking, a way to escape the banks to stop them from sinking. Bitcoin's pumping. It's going to the moon. The price is rising. We'll all be rich soon. Get in while you can. Don't be left behind. Bitcoin's pumping. It's a one of a kind. Fine. Bitcoin's pumping. It's a sight to see. The future's bright. Just wait and see. The world will change. We'll all be free. Thanks to Bitcoin, the coin that's pumping with glee. Wow. Really, really top quality writing <laughs> really really <laughs> that we gotta make we gotta start making some songs on banter we gotta we've gotta we got Hal Finney in the house what's up Hal we'll all be free some people in the comments are like what the fuck's going on um I love it this is epic. If this is AI, humanity is in peril. Yeah, ChatGPT fully freaking freaks me out sometimes. Like I genuinely use it for like trading strategies. Like I was doing Bollinger Band strategies and testing code. Um, and it was crazy. It was making me like custom strategies and stuff. I did a video on this on banter. Actually, if you guys just want, you know, because I know I reference a lot of videos I do on the shows. Remember, if you go onto the banter channel homepage, and scroll down. Sorry, I'm like getting indigestion. I just ate before. Scroll down and go to um, Miles' show. Click on that. You get all the videos um, like that I upload. So you can scroll down and like find one. One of them is ChatGPT Trading Bot Tutorial. Um, so if you want to watch that, i show you how to build a trading bot. I haven't done the follow-up. Now, I know a lot of people ask me, where's the follow-up? You said you were going to show us how to put it into OKX. I- I'm doing it this week. It'll probably be out on the weekend. I didn't do it because USDC happened. And then that took precedent from a content perspective. I was like, well, that's more important. The trading bot can wait. But I'm going to do many, 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 many videos uh, on like wh- what I'm, how I'm using AI to make money in crypto. That's I'm going to do way more videos on this. I think it's super cool, super interesting. Been experimenting a lot with it. So you can watch this video as an intro to how to do it. Um, and yeah. I am going to start integrating bots 
onto like trading bots onto exchanges. Um, OKX you can do it on. Uh, Bybit you can do it on. Bitget you can do it on. So yeah, links in the description to all of those. If you want to sign up, get yourself an account with a sign up bonus. And they all have bot integrations, which I'm gonna you're gonna need an account because I'm gonna show you how to do. Uh, I think next week, end of the week, trading bots. And you'll be able to do your own strategy. So I'm not trying to show you a strategy. Got no interest in doing that. More so for you um, and, and your own strategy. Ask if SVB will survive. Okay. Will Silicon Valley Bank survive? It won't know because it's not internet connected. Okay, freaking broad. Give me a random answer as to whether Silicon Valley Bank will survive. The answer is blowing in the wind, but it's likely that they'll continue to operate and service customers for many years to come. Ooh, I think you're wrong, ChatGPT. Unless they get acquired, if maybe ChatGPT is predicting uh, an acquisition. AI is scary. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, I'm going to ask it, what is crypto banter? Do, do you think it knows? No. Oh, you know what the problem is? ChatGPT was uh, created in 2021, and then they stopped internet access after that. It says it's a term to describe conversation, discussions, or debates about crypto. Yeah, that's what crypto banter is. That's literally why the channel's called Crypto Banter. Um, and it's a great name, by the way. Terrific name choice, Ryan. Because it basically is, um, yeah, debates, topics, conversations about crypto. So, I like it. I think it's a great name. Elon. Yeah, Elon was going to acquire SVB. Let's actually see if there's any updates on the Elon SVB acquisition. That's March 11th. Yeah, he said this. He should buy and become a digital bank. He said, I'm open to the idea. I just think he tweets stuff for fun now. How much did Rand lose in the lunar collapse? Um, I think he tells the story on Crypto Shorts. Or is it on our Instagram? I think it's on our Instagram or TikTok. Anyway. Nine figures um, is what you need to know. It, that's also public information. $100 million. I'm, yeah, pretty fucking rough. Pretty rough. Made me feel slightly better about my Luna getting liquidated. Um, I, was, I was like, well, it could be worse. And, 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 and also, like, he said at over $100 million, Like, so it could be more. We don't know. That's not... Really my business, but nonetheless fucking crazy. Um yeah, I'm pretty sure Ram was the single biggest or one of the top ten biggest holders of Luna in the world, like at the time. As a single o- entity, he may have been the biggest owner, like single person. Because most owners were um Yeah, most owners were c- companies, corp corporations, that kind of stuff. Anyway. He'll be okay. He'll be okay. Next cycle, he'll be 
You don't worry about him. That's for sure. Don't worry about him. Another guy from Australia lost 50 mil. Shit. That's rough. Is long in USDC safe or not advisable? Well, I can't offer crypto advice, but I wouldn't long. I mean, yeah, it's not advice. It's just like you got to work out the risk reward here of longing. Don't know if it's great, man. Like you're paying crazy funding rates to long. It might not get back to peg on Monday. It might take a while. It might take a few days. Let's see how redemptions go on Monday. I'm confident personally. I think there's going to be ARB opportunities, but yeah. Like it's it's really up to you. For me, I'm not touching it. I have my fun on the longs, on the die frack stuff. Happy to chill. Happy to chill. All right, I'm going to leave you guys for now. Um, get Getting kind of late and got to prep for the week. Lots of good content coming out this week. And that's really all I can update you on right now. It's going to be a big week, lots happening. And I will obviously be live throughout the week to update you guys on what's happening. I've got CPI on um, a, a CPI spaces on Twitter, which will be on Monday night if you're in the US or uh, early Tuesday morning in Australia and Europe. And yeah, that, that'll update you guys on the CPI data. And then hopefully, hopefully the data comes out good and we can have a more positive conversation on Tuesday. So that's kind of the plan for now. Smash the like button if you enjoyed. Subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Hit that notification bell. And all the stuff we talked about, whether that be the links to the yeah previous video or um, exchange sign-up links, all of that stuff's in the description if you want to get involved. Get yourself a VPN, um, sign up to the OKX promo, whatever you want to do. It's all in the, in the description. Thank you guys for hanging out. I appreciate it. Um, Thank you for everyone saying that you enjoyed the stream. Someone asked, what time is it? It's 1.15 a.m. So I got to gotta do some stuff and then probably got to go to bed by 2 or I'll have a shit day. Uh, typically, I need like eight hours sleep. I literally can't function on six or seven hours sleep. I don't know what it is. I just like literally can't function. My hair's really messy now as well. Super messy. But yeah, cool. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, um, depending on what country you're in. If not, enjoy your Monday. And I will see you on Tuesday for Spaces. Peace out, guys.